Uh, I've just been blessed. How many of you, I mean, the worship has just been a wonderful blessing today. Yes, I've, uh, I've heard He Reigns sung uh, in many places over the last uh, 10 or so years. And uh, besides the newsboys, I think this worship team uh, has uh, led us in the most impacting uh, way to sing that song and, and have our minds grow beyond ourselves into uh, the scope of God's mission around the world. And it's my privilege to share with you in that today. And one of the ways that we as a covenant serve globally in God's mission is with ministries of covenant world, mission, world relief. And we work with partners around the world, many of them who are connected to countries where we work with covenant world mission and missionaries in, in those contexts. So these resources will be distributed in grants uh, over this next year uh, to make a significant difference. We serve globally as a covenant in different ways. Covenant World Relief, uh, the Kims, Covenant Missionaries, they're one, uh, two, uh, two adults of 130 adults that are sent in 23 countries around uh, the globe to serve God in Africa and Asia and Europe and, and Latin America. And our opportunity is to join God in God's mission to see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world. And we want to be true to God's mission. We want to be participants in God's sending. We want to be companions with God's people serving God's kingdom. And we want to be partners with God's work of reconciliation and transformation. That's what our work in global mission is all about. And it's my privilege to serve alongside those who are giving so much of their lives and see what God is doing, and I want to give you a little bit of glimpse of that as we also come into the Word. And Acts chapter 2 is where you can look in your Bibles, because <clears throat> I'm making some reference there, and I want to talk about how can we be a life-giving church? How can we be a life-giving church, not only here in Sumner, but as a, <clears throat> as a church of Jesus Christ around the world, how can we live out our lives in such a way that we're life-giving? We don't take away from life, from people. We don't bore people, but rather we just bring a vitality and a, and a strength to life. And I want <coughs> to see in this text <clears throat> a picture, <clears throat> excuse me, an image that I think um, captures a, a bit of the wake of the wave of the Spirit that came upon the believers at Pentecost. This is a period of just a couple of months after the resurrection and the, the time when the church was first being planted and, and growing. And I think the, the text gives us a, a bit of a model. Now, often we preach this text or study this text about what the church does. We worship, we teach, we fellowship, we are engaged in outreach. But for me, it's a, it's a bigger picture of, of who we are, what our being is, and what characterizes this spirit-filled community. What is there about these disciples at this early stage of the spirit empowering them that accounts for us being here today, that the word somehow continued to be spread over the nations and over the generations? And simply this, I think it is, that this community was alive 
and it was life-giving. And the text, I think, should be painted, if you had, had a portrait of this, I think the text should, should somehow be filled with color because there are emotional words in this uh, that, that are not neutral, they're not subdued, but rather the, the painting that catches your eyes, awe and gladness, sincerity, devotion, praise, enjoying favor. All of these are languages, uh, language that inspires color in our, in our minds about this early church. And also, I think it should be painted with bold strokes. If you're going to paint this picture, you're going to use bold strokes because it, it uses the words everyone, all believers, everything, anyone, every day, all people. <clears throat> Strong language that's used. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think the, the text can be summarized in four different words in this picture. One is transformed. This is my outline, so you can kind of follow where we're going. Transformed, and then it will be together, and then generous, and then growing. Think of that early church as transformed. There's really nothing that accounts for this picture except for they had come alive in Christ through the Spirit from a small band of followers locked in fear behind closed doors to a community of thousands with the power of the Spirit declaring the mighty acts of God to others. The death and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit on their lives changed them. They became bold and new people in serving Christ. And their sins had been forgiven. Their death had been defeated. The power of evil was bound. And their whole lives were empowered by the Spirit. And as they came alive in Christ after the deflating period of the cross, but then the power and joy of the resurrection filled them because the Spirit now was in them and guiding them into the future. They came alive. Jesus said when he was with them, he said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that the fullness of life would be yours. And now they were living in that fullness of life. They were transformed by the Spirit. It was like the prophet Ezekiel talking about the dry bones that were, which God breathed into them life. It was what the disciples experienced, the life-giving of the Spirit in them. Transformed lives transform lives still overflowing today with life. If you see in this picture, a picture of Shrinan on the right. Shrinan was uh, a man in Thailand, in Songkla, Thailand. We've reached out to him after the tsunami in the Indian Ocean. He had HIV and AIDS in his home there was a casket and his picture on the casket. And he had prepared his family for his death. They wanted him to be aware that he was uh, dying and they wanted, he wanted to comfort them. But he came uh, to know the life-giving power of Jesus in the resurrection. And as people prayed for him, God did a miraculous work and out of those bones that were, uh, were just frail, 
and, and, and skin on his bones, God did a powerful work of transformation in him in providing healing, and he lives to this day reaching out to others in the HIV AIDS community in southern Thailand and now leads uh, a ministry of, uh, among the HIV community, and there are 30 small groups of those who have contracted that disease. And they are coming to life and hope in Christ, transformed in their life. It's an opportunity that comes because the Spirit is at work in us. This picture, next one, is of a group of men, and then there was another line of women. There were 120 people lined up in Pune, India, at 6 a.m. in the morning to be baptized. They wanted to be able to get all the baptisms in before the nine o'clock worship. And so we gathered with them, and in the next picture you see the beginning of baptism. And so in this little tank, they one by one baptized these believers. They had been reached out to by the Hindustani Covenant Church in Pune, India. In their remote village uh, in, in a state nearby, and heard the good news, they had been cared for and responded to in some of their needs, and they come to new life in Christ, and now they wanted to be baptized. They wanted to be identified with the life-giving Jesus who had come into their lives, and they came before these people uh, for baptism. And then in the next picture, you see what we went into worship. We, we found that people uh, were in joyful praise like you are today, and among those who sang in choirs, were these Muslim background believers, <clears throat> women in their burqas, uh, who were there at worship cautiously because of potential persecution, but they wanted to boldly declare, we are Christ's. We are new in life in Christ. The Bible, the Bible first is evident to others through our lives and through those in Thailand, in India, who lived out the life-giving power of Jesus, lives were transformed, and you see it around the world. You see also in this early church and in this beautiful picture of the beginning, a church that's not only transformed, but it's together. Together. The next slide. Have you had the experience of being in the same place with a lot of people yet alone. I mean, I experience it when I fly, go through the airport and I sit in an airplane, you know, with a lot of different people, but I, I'm very much alone. I'm, I'm, I'm separated from those people, wherever it might be. And sometimes we can be in the same place, but not together. Is this the church? That's not the church that Jesus has lived and died for and given power through his spirit. But in this picture we see in this early church in Acts, a church that's together. They were together transformed. The walls had been broken down. The barriers of differences had been put aside. And they were a new people. They had identity in Christ. Now in this area, we in Chicago and other parts of the nation know of the 12th man, okay? We, it's a little obnoxious at times, but we know there's power in that. Well, but what is the 12th man? 
it, the, the 12, it, if you put the 12 on it, you, what you're saying is we identify with these Seahawks. This, this is our team. We are together in this, and we're going to be part of that team. That's what the early church was. That's what we are as a church. We're together, not with green and whatever on our jerseys, but with a life that says, I am Jesus. I am the presence of Jesus because his spirit is in me. We are identified with Christ. We're together for the purposes that God intended. Together is like a, a fulfillment of Jesus' prayer for his disciples, that they would be one even as we are one. Father and Son are one, that they might be one, that they might be together in purpose. You, Jesus came to form a people. And we are people across all nations and boundaries and languages and tribes. We are, a, we are a people identified together. And wherever I go in worship, and I've been to like 25 countries in which we serve, I gather for worship and it's the same. I'm part of a people. A people who are identified not by their language and their nation, but identified in Christ. It, it, it's what Peter describes as you are a holy nation, a chosen people. You, you are a royal priesthood that you might declare the mighty acts of God. And that's who we are, and that's what this early church was. And so as the Spirit breathed on them, these disciples, uh, those barriers came down, and they began to be of one mind. And as you read that text, together they were in the Word, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Together they were in worship, in temples, and in homes. It's together they were in community as they gathered together. Together they were in prayer. You see them in different ways in which they identified with Christ and with one another. And that's what a life-giving church is. They're together. One of the very painful things that I observe and you hear about as well as the disunity and the division, the fighting of one another in the church that damages the testimony of Christ in this world. And we have an opportunity to be identified for the, in the name of Christ in a, actions of love and actions of hospitality and welcome to others. If you look at this picture, you'll see these people who are all Congolese, they lived in the east part of Congo, the Goma and the North Kivu area, suffering a great deal during the war and ongoing conflict there because of political and uh, mineral grabbing by various parties. And they started walking to leave for safety. And they walked from the east part of Congo to Kenya, we heard about them through some brothers and sisters in one of our churches in St. Louis, Missouri, and heard about them being in some refugee camps. The Covenant Church of Kenya reached out to them and welcomed them into their community, helped them to find places to live, helped them to find uh, opportunities to make some modest income, used some Covenant World Relief money in a finance project to start some work that they could survive, helped them with language, and reached out to them 
the next picture, these included the adults and also children. And this next picture is of this small church in Kitengela outside of Nairobi that now has 400 Congolese refugees worshiping in that congregation, welcomed through a handful of believers in need, welcomed to others, and together they became a witness for Christ. And now people in the community look in the windows during worship and wonder what's going on. These Congolese, these Kenyans, together in the same worship. And they're having a testimony in the community that's powerful. The story could go on, but let me just move to the next major theme that I see in this uh, next slide, that this people were transformed, their lives were changed, their life-giving, and they were together in Christ, and they were generous. I mean, you see this picture, and it's amazing, the kind of generosity that's described as grace that filled their lives overflowed to others so that there was no one who had need. Can you, can you imagine a community where there's no one who has need because of the generosity of one another? I mean, the, the scriptures here and in chapter 4 describe people selling what they have, even property, in order that those who did not have had something. And it wasn't about uh, making others rich. It was about providing for basic needs. And this really lives out what the life giver Jesus was identifying in himself. When he gathered at the synagogue, we read in Luke chapter 4, and read that text that we read from Isaiah 61 about the freedom of the captives and good news to the poor. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's in me. And I bring that kind of life and hope into this world. And it is your opportunity to live out that kind of generosity to others. Generosity with the grace of God. I mean, it, it, grace is a gift we receive. A gift that so penetrates our lives that we are changed from within. And we're set free from sin, the bondage that, of, of, of being alone and we, are, we belong and we're part of community and now we can overflow that grace to others. And we see that self-giving, that life-giving spirit in the hospitality of the early church. They saw others impacted by sin, people in need, people enslaved, possessed, impoverished, lost, and they reached out with the generosity of the cross. The grace of Christ and the community of believers began to expand. They perhaps lived out that word from Jesus that might be summarized in whoever shows love to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, shows love to me, Jesus says in Matthew 25. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And they begin to have power to actually live that out in generosity to one another. Generosity into the community. Acts chapter 11 talks about that early relief, covenant world relief 
fund was, was gathered together for those who were being persecuted and suffered famine in Jerusalem. And so the church started to give so that others could live. And so their ongoing living is inspired. If you look here, you see one of the major areas where those who suffered the tsunami in Japan at 3.11.11, March 11th, 19, 2011, suffered devastation that is beyond understanding. I, I, I drove some 200 miles along the coast of Japan, seeing devastated community after devastated community. And so these temporary shelters were given in a large uh, uh, facility, and you see each of these little boxes is a, is a place for families to live. Now many of them continue to live in temporary housing that's been established. But it was the Covenant Church in Japan who, who, who reached out to them and joined with others in the community around them and started, as we see, not only to, next slide, to care for children, but to respond and helping to clean up their homes and helping them to uh, have some basic resources and and the work continues even to this day now, some uh, three and a half years later. You see also, the next picture, the beginnings of a ministry that we joined together with World Vision in uh, <clears throat> called Covenant Kids Congo Powered by World Vision. We've been working in Congo since 1937. Devastation of war in, two, in 1996 to 2003 left so much of what had been developed in, in shambles. And in communities that still suffer as the 187th of 187 countries in the world in terms of the Human Development Index, we said we need to try to do more and more that alongside the church there. The church, the Covenant Church in Congo, is 247,000 members in 1,600 churches. About a million people, they say, worship in their congregations. But the average uh, income is a dollar is ten a day for ten people in a family. And so there is deep devastation. And so we worked with World Vision to help uh, develop systemic change in the community. And now over 7,000 members of Covenant Churches have sponsored children over the last two years. And, and we're seeking to grow that to 10,000 so that the resources for children, for families, for the community, for health, for education, for clean water, for agricultural development, economic development, and vitality of Christ shared in the community can be a witness to the generosity of God. And that's beginning to change lives. And, and, and I've just seen it with my own eyes how lives have been changed. And a child like this, and another, you can look on to the next slides. Uh, many suffering from malaria. One in five children do not live to the age of five. 20%. Next slide. There are schools that have been developed. Even in these last couple of years, we've built three new six-classroom schools that are multi-session so that now 1,500 kids have opportunity for school and they did not before. The generosity has overflowed in thanksgiving to God. Next slide. And clean water. We're, we're digging wells for clean water so that some 
30,000 people who have didn't have clean water oh, by next year at this time will have clean water access through spigots in which they can uh, provide for their family without disease. The generosity of God overflowing. We have an opportunity to be a people who are transformed, who are together, and who are generous. Generous to a fault. Because Jesus was generous to a fault for us. Not because we deserved it. Not because we have anything that, that God owes us. But because of just the gift of life. When we could do nothing for ourselves, God did everything for us and continues to do that in our lives. And so that life-giving is ours. And, that it's, and Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that, that the giving of generosity is overflowing in thanksgiving to God. What a what great text for this week. Giving is overflowing in thanksgiving to God. What we do brings praise to God. The last word is growing. The community was transformed, this beautiful picture of life change and togetherness and generosity in the community became life-giving and they were growing. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They, there, were, there were people who could not stay away from the good news of release, of forgiveness, of belonging, of hope. That was the good news that was broadcast through the lives and the words of of the followers of Jesus in this early community. They became alive and life-giving to the community, and they were growing. And numbers isn't the only thing, but it, it names the numbers here. And it, it talks about us being growing, and, and we need to think about how can we reach out to others. That's why we, we do mission is to live out all of this grace of God around the world, across nation, across language barriers, and to bring that good news to others so that they might have life <clears throat> and more and more people. We look at some 2.5 million people who are touched by ministries that began in 1885 in our mission together. But they're alongside missions that began in the Lutheran Church and the Presbyterian Church. And around the world, the good news has been spread. And, be, and the church is growing, and we give glory to God that we can be part of that community of faith around the world. But they were also growing in the word. Maturing is another part of growth. Growing deeper in Christ and in faith. Growing in understanding. These were not perfect people. They were flawed. And you read through the book of Acts, and you'll see how they messed up. And it isn't that they became believers that always had it together. They were, as Paul talks about it, jars of clay so that the surpassing power of God could be on display, not through them, but because of God's work. They were a growing community. And I don't have time today to talk about, just go through these next slides. This is a community in Bogota, Colombia. These are six to 12-year-old drug addicts that have come together to have new life. And they're growing in their faith and growing in education. Another picture is of Japan worship team, of them, uh, young adults, having opportunity to lead. Another picture of women who are in microenterprise in Zamele in, in the Durban area of South Africa. 
and another picture that was through Covenant World Relief Project. And then we helped together to build uh, churches in China so that there would be an official place in which people could worship. And there is, in most provinces, the freedom to worship inside those buildings. We work with house churches, but we also work with some three self churches so that there can be a declaration. And on this particular time, we gave out Bibles, the dedication of the church, members of the Communist Party were there present, and the pastor got up and said, bring people into the church because here we're going to share the grace and goodness of God. We're going to share about Jesus Christ, and here in this building we can do that. And then the people just filled with joy that they could come to new life and they continue to grow so that there are some 110 million believers in China today by estimates. I need to conclude, but let me go to the next slide that a joyful, life-giving church is transformed, it's together, it's generous, and it keeps growing. And the next picture, it is filled with joy because of what God is doing in lives, and it can be our opportunity to be part of that work of God in this world, not because of ourselves, but because of the overflowing of the Spirit and the grace of God through our lives if we'll make ourselves available. You sang it today, I surrender. Can we surrender to God and let him make us a life-giving community? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that we will be a people not contained in ourselves, but scattered in this world for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your life, infusing others with life and power. May we be known as people who are changed together, overflowing with the grace of God and generosity. And may you bring about the kind of maturing transformation in us that gives glory to your name. We pray in Jesus' name.